0: Hello,
1: everybody, and welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni. Welcome to the Delphi Bracketology edition, where we will be talking news and information about NCAA basketball. Hope you enjoy the show. Brian Tonsoni and this is a Delphi Bracketology production here. We have a special guest with us, Brian Morrow from Nebraska. But before we do, I'd like to again share with all our listeners um, Project 44 at Butler University um, for a bone marrow transplant uh, list for Andrew Smith, the center from Butler who lost his life to leukemia, his wife, Samantha, and the great people at Butler are trying to get people to register to save lives, and it's already working. So, if if you feel so inclined, please check out Project Forty Four. Uh, be the match is the national registry, and, and if we can help save lives, uh, that would be awesome. So, here's here's Brian uh, introducing introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about yourself.
0: Hello, my name is Brian Morrow. Uh, Like Brian said, I live in Lincoln, Nebraska. I was born in Omaha, so I am a huge Nebraska fan. Really all sports. I write for uh, the fan-sided site Busting Brackets. Uh, You can see me covering a lot of the Big Ten. I do the Horizon League, some Summit League, and a little bit of the Big 12 every once in a while, but usually the Big Ten and the Horizon League and a little bit of the Summit. And I kind of will do it for the rest of the NCAA too if I feel so inclined, so... I've been writing for Busting Brackets not too long since July, but I also do some other blogging projects on the side that we'll get into later. And I've been doing that for about two years
1: total. Well, Brian, we're glad to, that we uh, met up on on Twitter and get this chance to talk. Uh, we had a very interesting talk before we recorded, and this is a, a solid uh, person. And so I'm, I'm interested to hearing what you say. We're going to start off with talking about just conference tourney time in general. They're started. They're on our television here. The Big Ten tournament started. But overall, uh, what are you interested in seeing uh, in the conference tourney uh, these next
0: two weeks? So for me, to be honest with you, because coming from the Big Ten, and I know that tournament's in New York, I think that's a horrible idea, first of all. I also noticed that the ACC tournament's in New York, which makes no absolutely zero sense to me at all. And the SEC tournaments in St. Louis, which, again, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I just want to see how those kind of go. And also because of me being a Nebraska fan, I'm going to put my heart, um, you know, where it needs to be. And I'm hoping that there's not a lot of there's a lot of chalk in the conference tournaments. Let's just say that and not a lot of uh, bid steals and upsets. So.
1: Yeah, as a Nebraska fan and a bracketologist, uh, they, they've had a solid season, but the, they they need to get some quality wins, and they don't need other people uh, yeah. on the bubble to get quality wins because it's going to be a, a little bit tough for them. But not they're not um, disqualified yet; they're still being considered. So that leads us to our first. Uh, well, let's go to the conference tournaments. We're going to talk Horizon Tournament, and that's uh, some uh, a smaller tournament, but it's been a really. Good tournament lately, and, and it used to be uh, Butler and Velpo. Uh, I attended that tournament uh, a few years back, and then they've moved on to different conferences. Last year's tournament was a lot of upsets. Um, talk a little bit about what we can expect in the Horizon uh, Conference tournament.
0: You could see the same thing again, but the problem is, is that Northern Kentucky is so much – like the talent level of that team is so much greater than the rest of the Horizon League. So I don't think that anyone else besides Northern Kentucky is going to win it. But the one team, the two teams maybe that potentially could win it. Well, there's three really, but I don't really know if Wright State is the biggest threat as they showed in the regular season. I just think they got hot there for a little bit. I don't think that they have what it would take to win the tournament, but I will say that Oakland never count out Oakland because they do have this like a prolific offense led by Kendrick Nunn from Illinois they don't play a lick of defense though. So that is probably why they're where that they're seated where they are. Northern Kentucky. If you've read busting brackets, I gush about Northern Kentucky a lot. I really like them. Drew McDonald, their center, I think got jobbed or robbed for the player of the year. He should have gotten the player of the year, but it's hard to give it. It's hard not to give it to a guy that averaged 30 points a game most of the year in the horizon league. Um, but the heat Drew McDonald paired with Levon Holland and Jalen Tate. That's a nice little trio there. They can score. They defend. They rebound well. There's really not a weakness they have. The problem is, is that, as we all know with bracketology, they they say they don't look at conference RPI, but Northern Kentucky didn't really fare too well in non-conference. So they're not, not gonna be a super high seed. I'm saying probably maybe a 15. And you could probably fill me in on more about that. But if they do, keep in mind that they're a big team. They're a team that not a lot of teams are going to want to play. They played Kentucky last year in their first appearance ever and took Kentucky to the wire. They actually lost by nine, but the game was a lot closer than that. And another team that I think everyone kind of needs to keep an eye on, just because of the story, is Illinois-Chicago. They have a deep roster with talented kids, but... Their star, Dikembe Dixon, said last week that out of the blue he was transferring and no one really knows why. It, they were putting it together. I was pick, I was going to pick them to probably win the tournament, but I don't know how it's going to go with Dikembe transferring and they all the players know that. So it could go one of two ways. Either one, they could tank and lose their first game, or two, they could kind of rise up and get to the tournament. For Dikembe, but I don't. That one. That's an interesting story, and we'll see what happens. And just so you all know, for those of you that are looking at transfers, Dikembe Dixon is going to not be on the transfer market very long. The kid can score. He's lanky. He's a wing. He is really, really good. Is he still playing? Yeah, he announced his intention to
1: transfer. Is it a graduate transfer situation no, or just a transfer?
0: It's just a transfer. It came out. He he posted it on Twitter <laughs> before he even told the team. Apparently. Wow! So he told them that senior day at their their arena. He said senior day at flame at the Flame Center, which is where they play, would be his last time in a UIC uniform at home, because wow. he was in his intention was to transfer.
1: Here's an interesting he was, Go
0: ahead. He was out last year with a, he tore his ACL last year, like the eighth game of the year. He was averaging 32 a game last year and tore his ACL. So he came back this year and started really slow, but now he's starting to score, you know, twenty four, twenty five a game again. So it's just a really strange deal. That
1: is weird. Here's a here's a weird connection to Northern Kentucky where I teach school, Delphi. We had uh, Cole Murray played on Northern Kentucky uh, last year, and I think was the only senior who graduated off that NCAA tournament team. So Northern Kentucky has four had four starters coming back, and it sounds like they were able to maintain that success uh, yeah, last year.
0: Yeah, they're they're good. I mean, they're. They're pretty good. They've gotten – I mean, they've lost every – no. Whenever – like, I'm in the camp that it's really hard to go undefeated in your conference, regardless of how good you are. I mean, East Tennessee State, they're the best team in that conference by far, and they lost three games. Um, Florida Gulf Coast lost the game, and there's they don't have any competition in their conference. So, it's just – even Bucknell, who may have <laughs> literally the most lopsided conference of all time. They lost two games. I still can't figure out how because that conference is bad this year, but yeah. they lost two games because I don't think anyone's going to go undefeated ever. Brian, that's an
1: excellent point, too, because some of these conferences, you play round robin. You play each each team twice, but these coaches generally know each other, and right. uh, despite turnover and a new coach coming in. You know the style of play. You know how they've played for a year or two uh, uh, as long as the coach has been there, and if you play them twice, uh, it's kind of hard, even if you are a dominant team, to, to go undefeated. Let's move on to the Missouri Valley, and and we're meeting for the first time. My son is a manager for the men's basketball team at Indiana State. Uh, They're the sixth seed uh, and will be starting play on Friday. And the Missouri Valley has lost some uh, top teams. Uh, Wichita State left this year uh, to go to the American Conference, and so that has opened up uh, this conference. Uh, And there's one dominant team and then a bunch of teams, I think, that um, might be able to. um... What are your thoughts on the Missouri Valley?
0: Um, This is another one, too. I have some sleepers in here, but Loyola Chicago is pretty good, and I don't think they're pretty good like Northern Kentucky's pretty good just in their conference. I mean, I generally think Loyola Chicago is pretty good, and I would say that if you saw them on the other end of your bracket in the tournament, that probably is not going to be a great matchup for you. I mean, they already beat they they beat Florida this year at and Florida. Uh, yeah, they beat them there. They've just kind of – they've never really had a lull. I didn't really buy into it when they were undefeated for like 15-0. They didn't play anybody. Then they beat Florida, and I was starting to get a little bit into it. And then the Mo Val- the Missouri Valley doesn't have bad – I mean, it doesn't have – the talent's down, but it's not terrible. But Loyola Chicago dominated that league all year. So it's kind of them. But some sleepers that I have, I'm a big Drake guy. Mm-hmm. I like Nico Medved a lot, and I don't think he'll be at Drake very long. To be honest with you, that's what he what he has done with Drake this year to get them to the four seed after last year just being dreadful. I mean, they were terrible last year. Is impressive, and the league. I still don't think that you and I and Missouri State are this bad. I don't. I mean, And I, they're,
1: they're in the play-in games, and they were favored yeah. at the beginning of the year to leave the conference, and, and they've had some struggles. Um, so, you know, they're, they're going to have to win four to get out.
0: Yeah. Indiana State's one of them teams, as you just have you know, if you ask any Indiana fan out there, that uh, <laughs> they, they can make it rain from outside. So, if they're hitting shots, they're going to be an awful tough team to beat.
1: There's some good players in the Missouri Valley, uh, and oh, being God. able to go down and watch Indiana State play and see four or five teams come in there from the Valley, uh, there's some great individuals to watch if you have a chance to to get um, get them on on television. So I, I agree. I think Loyola is, is the team to watch, and I think you know they might um, they might get an eleven seed. Uh, and move ahead to some of the bubble teams and force yeah. those playing games to be 12 seed games. Cause I think, um, you know, Middle Tennessee and Nevada and those teams are are automatic qualifiers, but they're going to move up a little bit. And so Loyola 11 6 is going to be a good matchup. If they're a 12 13 uh, playing a five, that 12 5 matchup, which we always tell people to pick a couple of those upsets, yep. uh, look for the Loyola Ramblers if they get through. Um, the, the conference let's go
0: they're, they're just uh, on Loyola really quick they're one of those teams that you don't want to see but they're also one of those teams like Belmont who can be shut down because they're really reliant on one guy but that one guy happens to be really really good so it's really hard to shut them down
1: hey this isn't on the script but did you catch any of the St. Bonaventure Davidson game three overtime I, game I
0: did watch that last night yeah
1: my goodness, so there were some players. Davidson had a couple guys go for over 30, and Jalen Adams for St. Bonaventure. And, and Brian, I'm, as a bracketologist, I look at the data, the wins, and the criteria of the committee. I would love to see them set aside two slots, four slots for some mid majors that have good years, but just don't have those opportunities because it would be a shame if, for some reason, a St. Bonaventure, you know, uh, I, I think St. Mary's is on the bubble. And, and that with Landau. That's a their good own team. fault,
0: though. That's their own fault, though. I agree. I, I mean, agree. At least Go Saint sketch some people. St. Bonaventure at least played people.
1: Same with um, Gonzaga.
0: Yeah, St. Mary's just – they refuse, and they've told Randy Bennett before why he doesn't get in, but he just refuses to ever leave the state of California. He won't so, do it.
1: So do you think they're going to get in? They have one win on the road at Gonzaga. I don't
0: know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's hard to say. That <laughs> Gonzaga win's a good win. That's the like only one they have. Nebraska win over Michigan. Like, that's a really good win at this point. But it, Nebraska was literally two seconds away from being in the tournament field now. Because if Steve McKaylick doesn't hit that shot and they end up beating Kansas, then they're we're not having a discussion about them being in. Right. But St. Mary's, I mean, they lost to San Francisco at home. <laughs> yeah. So, as much as I want to say, yeah, they beat Gonzaga on the road, that's fine. But Gonzaga punked you in your own building like you got punked by gonzaga in your own building and and san francisco beat you i mean you can't lose the west coast conference is bad okay outside of gonzaga and st mary's and most of the time byu is bad which is why people are like oh byu is 24 and 6 or whatever they are 24 and 7 i was like yeah and they've lost seven games in that conference which is bad because they haven't, they mean Gonzaga beat them twice. St. Mary's beat them twice, but I think they lost to Pacific and potentially San San Diego or San Francisco. One of the two teams they should not have lost to. Let Let me well, again. We're going a little bit off script here, but but this is all right. Let me throw you
1: this scenario. There are thirty two automatic qualifiers. I would say put 32 at large to get to 64 and then save four spots for Mm non-power six teams. So, for example, that let's say uh, Loyola is not one of your best 32 at large. They come in at 34 and they lose uh, their tournament. Loyola deserves to be in. And I'd rather see Loyola than the eighth or ninth team from the ACC or the SEC who's, you know, seven and 11 or eight and 10 in in their tournament. And those four spots would go through the same selection uh, process mm-hmm. of RPI wins, Quadrant One wins. But you can take uh, regular season conference champions that lose, that are guaranteed in the NIT. You could give them one of those four berths. Or you could, if you have a good, solid conference, like St. Mary's would be in in that scenario uh, because mm-hmm. they're in if a, in the a smaller way, conference. And it'd be better, better television.
0: Yeah. I feel the same way about Nevada, I think. I don't know if the Mountain West has enough there for Nevada to get in if they don't win the tournament. So I'm kind of worried that Nevada's not going to get in, but everyone wants to see those teams play. I want to see Co- or the Martin Twins and Kendall Stevens and all those guys in the tournament. But I'm just saying, if they – I mean, and people can say what they want to, and you're probably going to dispute this, but I have the notion that a lot of times it's about who you play for right, than who you actually play, if that makes sense. Yeah, there was a – Like Syracuse, Arizona are always going to get the benefit of the doubt over a Penn State, Nebraska, Rutgers. I, I
1: hope that's not true. I can't dispute that necessarily. That, that was going on in Twitter today, uh, uh, that discussion. The only thing I would tell you is two years ago, we the one of the teams we missed in bracketology was Tulsa. Um. Yeah. And Tulsa had four quadrant ones or top 50 wins, whatever they were using at that time. And no one was even looking at at Tulsa where, where it does meet what you're saying is we had Monmouth in and they put Syracuse in over Monmouth. So maybe that was Tulsa over Monmouth, the way you look at it. So I would hope, hope not because um, again, I, I think there's some appeal if they really think about the true fans and it sounds like you and I are on the same page here. I kind of want to see St. Mary's at an 11 or 12 go up against a five. I want to see Nevada in Uh, some people have Nevada as a six or seven right now. I don't see that criteria wise fan wise. I I would say that they're, they're up there, but criteria wise. Yeah. They're at the nine, 10, 11. And if they lose the tournament, they could possibly be knocked out. But again, there's a team. Middle Tennessee needs to be in the tournament, regardless of what happens. Loyola needs to be in the tournament, regardless of what happens. And, and if you hold some slots, I, I don't think that's going to upset uh, – you know, we had 64, you know, 8, 9, 10 years ago before we went to 68. Uh, I don't think that – but anyway, we've, we spent some time on that. Let's get back to the Big Ten tournament starting. Uh, Iowa won the first uh, game uh, of the tournament in New York City, and uh, now Minnesota and Rutgers are playing. Uh, give us um, your thoughts on who's going to win uh, and maybe an upset special in the Big Ten. Well,
0: and I know who you want to win. Yeah, no, uh, they're kind of upset special at the same time. I just think that people sleep on them. I do. Um, I can tell you that – well, might be – probably not anybody in the Big Ten. But that game that they have on Friday, potentially against Michigan, is not going to be super easy for Nebraska at all. I think it's going to be one of the top five teams that wins it. Penn State, Mike Watkins still – they don't know if he's going to play or not. Um, and I can guarantee you one thing if Penn State plays Ohio State, there's no way Ohio State's losing to them the third time. It's not gonna happen. Um, I Illinois, Illinois out they were a team that potentially for me could have been a sleeper because they have some talent. Minnesota' is another one of those teams that if they can just figure it out, has enough talent to win the thing, I mean then they that can't I still can't understand what happened to I mean I know what happened to them, but I just don't know how they fall flat on their face like that. But Nebraska could be an upset special, a team that you probably could should watch out for. They're awful good. When they, get, when they get rolling like they did the last 10, 11 minutes of the Indiana game and the way they played against Penn State, they're really hard to defend. And they're the only team that has beat Michigan by double digits. And probably b tenure, it seems like. So.
1: And I would say, and I'm not a Nebraska guy, but I would say they have the most to play for. because. Yeah. They they need to they need to win a game or two at least to stay in the discussion. And if you're going to win a game or two, you might as well go win all three and make sure there's no doubt. Uh, and, and when you come in fifth in the conference, you have a chance or fourth in the conference. Uh, but here's the thing: uh, I think that they they need to have Michigan win tomorrow night. Um, yeah, they have to have
0: Michigan win.
1: If Iowa wins, then that that's not a quality tier one win. If they if if Nebraska beats Iowa, and now you're looking at even if you get to the championship, you only had one win, uh, and that's a biggie. Michigan State, so you you can't discount it. But boy, you want to pick up one or two, and if not, pick up three. Who's besides Nebraska? Who do you think is is the the most likely team to win the Big Ten Conference?
0: Right now, Michigan or Michigan State. I mean, I don't know. I'm in the camp. I like Purdue, too. I do. Um, I But the way Michigan plays and the way Beeline has them always ready to play at the end of the year, they're tough to beat. They are. They de- then this year, they're really tough to beat because they defend really well this year. And they seem to have figured it all out before this year, before the end of the year, like the last maybe two weeks. Before that, they couldn't shoot free throws at all. And now they're starting to make their free throws. And then Wagner wasn't hitting shots, and now he's hitting shots. And Michigan State is just a mashup nightmare for everybody because when you have a seven foot one kid who can go out and pop threes from 80 feet away, it's kind of tough to defend them. And Nick Ward is six, six, but looks like he can, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how Izzo will have them prepared. I don't think they can really improve their seeding much than what they already have. I don't think that they're going to get a one seed. It'd be awful tough. And Purdue can't get a one seed. They can probably stay in the two line. I don't see them moving off of that. So I don't know. It's going to be wide open between the, the four. I don't see Ohio State winning it though. I don't think they have.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's the top five. um You know, seeds in this tournament too. I I, I wonder. I think Michigan State is really really good. But, boy, they've kept teams in games. And being down 27 to Northwestern, and, and even when they played Indiana with, with a roster that's not extremely talented but plays hard, it was a three- or four-point game. I know it was in, in our building. But uh, they were down to Rutgers for a while, too. And, and it, when is that going to sneak up and bite them? Uh, is, that's and, my
0: thing is that I was telling somebody today, Michigan State, I've seen them blow people away. I know they can do it without breaking a sweat. The problem is they just haven't in the league. I don't know why. I'll say this. They blew Nebraska out. And that's when, I mean, and I don't think that, I mean, that was when the the first game of the year in the Big Ten. They blew Nebraska out. And it's because I don't think Nebraska matches up real well with them. But they haven't really, I mean, Rutgers took them to double overtime, both or overtime, both games. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah.
1: And Purdue's interesting because I like the way they play. Um, I I like the way they guard. Uh, But athletically with Haas and that, I I wonder rebounding and defensively, if they can play uh, three games in a row, uh, how far they can go when they start, you know, if they get in the tournament even and go to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight and they run into some really uber-talented teams. Uh, But I think this is the best Purdue team that we've seen
0: in a long, long time. If Purdue is making threes, right, they're impossible to beat. I agree. If Matthias and Carson Edwards are hitting shots, you're not going to beat them. You
1: Have know. you ever seen a player like Carson Edwards? Uh, I mean, that, that kid can just that get buckets.
0: He's really good, man. He's really, really good. I mean, I, I will I, say this, though, too. A team that I also want everyone to kind of be aware of, and this pains me to say this, is uh, Wisconsin. Because they're starting to kind of figure it out, it looks like a little bit. I hope yeah. not. Me too. But I, I, mean, I
1: no offense. I have family up in Wisconsin and friends who are Wisconsin fans. And I've just i've I've seen enough of them for a while. And
0: I mean, they, they they deserve to have a year off or two. So I mean, it's just one of them things. I don't know if they'll be Mar- Maryland's another team. You could, I mean, there's some talented teams in the Big Ten. Maryland's oh, yeah. one of those teams too. That if they put it together, they can go on a run too. Because they have a dude in the middle, Bruno Fernando, man, that guy. <laughs> Woo. And let's not forget about Indiana, because because Johnson and Jawan Morgan can carry them too.
1: I, I tell you, I think um, Archie Different. is the reason that they play well. Um, I don't know if their their guard play is good enough to get three games in a row. And, and when you got to play Haas and your your you're center six eight, I, that's that's just a bad match. You talk about bad matchups for Nebraska, bad matchup for Indiana right now is Purdue um it i a
0: bad matchup for anybody
1: yeah so I mean, as a fan i'm happy with indiana this year uh because the roster is is what it is and then you know it just takes some time when you have a new coach to get the guys in uh finishing sixth in the league uh was i think um okay but yeah i'd love to see a run i just i, I just don't see it happening for the hoosiers right Let's go to the Big 12, who we could argue is the best conference in college basketball. Some people will always say to ACC, Big East, maybe even SEC this year. But the Big 12 has some teams uh, that have some special players, some great coaches, uh, a lot of wins. Um, Give us your take on who the favorite is, uh, a couple teams that could win it, and maybe an upset special in the Big 12. Uh,
0: The favorite for the tournament? Is not Kansas because they never win the tournament, <laughs> ever, because they do enough in the regular season. Yeah. Um, I would li- I like Texas Tech a lot. I like West Virginia's playing really well right now. One team that I'm not sold on at all and think they play their way out of the tournament is Oklahoma. I really do think they're going to play their way out of the tournament. K-State is another team that's intriguing to me. And TCU is another team that I don't really know. I don't know. They say they've won a lot of games against teams in the Big 12, but I don't really know if they impress me that much.
1: You know, I have that feeling about TCU from a seeding standpoint, too. They've been hovering 8, 9, 10 for us because you look at it and it's just kind of there. But then uh, someone threw us uh, something on Twitter to compare TCU and Michigan resume-wise, not eye test, not anything else, not by watching them. And TCU and Michigan are closer than – than most people would even suggest on the um, on the resume side. So uh, yeah, I, I'm leaning towards West Virginia. Uh, I thought they had a lull early, and they had some some player injuries and sicknesses and stuff. And it seems like they're they're back uh, a little bit. Uh, I I would watch for a little Baylor action, um, being hungry, mm-hmm. trying to get off the bubble and maybe get into the tournament um Oklahoma has to has to win that last game at Iowa State and win at least one game in the in the tournament to to feel safe but boy they have some good solid they have five top 25 wins and the young man I don't know if you saw our Twitter today but there's a young man in our committee that said I was in love with Oklahoma because they have you know five top 25 wins and he kept saying body of work body of work um Bob yeah, kicked but- him out of the club but
0: I understand that, but you can't – I mean, they just have looked so – they got – you can't – listen, if you want to play in the tournament, you can't get beat by 50 by anybody. I don't care. (laughs) I'm sorry. If you want to play in the NCAA tournament, you cannot be getting beat by 50. And I will say this, never – Sagaba Kanate for West Virginia is a game changer. You can't get to the rack on that kid. That kid, man.
1: (laughs) He is strong, isn't he? I mean, he's not even that strong
0: big, but man, he's, he's good. He's really, really good. Anyways, I'd like, I like the big 12, but I, I don't know. Do you I think they're the best conference? Um, yeah, I do. I don't, well, I don't listen to the people that, I mean, I don't know. The ACC is still really good. Anytime you have Duke, North Carolina, Syracuse, um, you know, teams like that in the conference, West Virginia, or, Anytime you have Duke, North Carolina, NC State, teams like that, that's a really good conference. And I would even rival to say that the Big East is a better conference than the Big 12. They're going to have two one-seeds. They're the only conference that has two one-seeds.
1: Yeah, I I still think if someone gets beat early, a villain over that, they might fall out of that, and I don't know. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit um, about the NCAA tournament. Uh, what teams are you looking for that um, – Obviously, we have your Nebraska Cornhuskers who you want to get in. But what other teams are there that, you, that are on the bubble, either in or out, that you think are going to make a run and get a, a 10, 11, 12 seed and, and be uh, tough to handle?
0: St. Bonaventure. They got, three, they got dudes, man. They have three <laughs> dudes that are guards that are really good. Jalen Adams. And Matt, Mo, and Matt Mobley. And I don't remember what the other guy's name was, but they got dudes on that team. Um there there's something special going on in only New York right now. Another team that I don't think enough people are giving credit to, they're solidly in is Rhode Island. They're really good.
1: Yeah, I don't don't know where to seed them. I don't know where to seed them resume wise, but yeah, they're pretty good.
0: They don't have anybody really flashy, but man, they're really good. And another team that you always can never count out. Um I wouldn't really count i i don't i would like to say cincinnati but i don't really know any i don't know cincinnati much i don't the americans not very good this year at all so i don't know how good they actually are Gary Since, Clark's really good
1: yeah cincinnati can guard their problem is putting points on the board and, and when they run into a good team um th- you know that might be a team that makes a run um
0: houston houston can make a run
1: I agree. A team that everyone's kind of not sure about um, from the American Conference going to be anywhere from a six to an eight seed, get the right matchups, get the right seeding thing could, could go. Who, who Who's your favorite for the NCAA championship right now, if
0: you had to pick? Oh, I know it's man. hard and it's impossible question. <laughs> the field at this point? Um, <laughs> well, if you could ask me if I could tell you how Michigan State was going to play them, because I've seen them just – blow the doors off of people and without with ease i mean when michigan state gets lathered up and they get rolling they put up 110 without sweating on anybody um another team that i would never count out north carolina especially the way they're playing right now i mean they had they do have they did win the title last year and they have all most of those kids back um it seems like you can never count out duke because they'll always be there every year
1: they either go and, far or get knocked out early.
0: Yeah, and um, Michigan probably because they just always seem to get it going in a tournament. And I'm always—I'm a huge John Calipari fan. I know that people are probably going to like my, kill my mentions for this, but I love the guy. I know that he's not the you know most ethical coach in the world, allegedly but to do what he's done with that many pros every year and just basically have roster turnover and to keep doing that, that's really hard to do. So don't ever count Kentucky out because when you have that many pros on your team, you can do anything.
1: I I agree. I think, I think this is about the most jumbled uh, tournament field. Uh, and there's some negatives with all the top one and two seeds. And, and, there might be a hot team that's a 5, 6, or 7 seed, uh, top 25-like team that's the 23rd ranked, uh, that that would be your 6th seed that maybe gets hot and, and, and makes a run this year because it's just been, you know, we looked at the 21 through 40 seeds, and you could throw them in a bucket and pick them out behind them, and still probably uh, be okay. There, there are all kinds of pros and cons all up and down that. So you mentioned something about uh, ethics, and the FBI probe is going on in – college basketball a, a quick thought about uh the the fallout from some of that we're finding out some stories might not have been leaked correctly and true and and you know we are a country that supposedly is innocent until proven guilty but uh i i think that i was a little naive as a fan um knowing that that stuff went on but thinking that maybe it was a uh, less than half of the the programs i'm starting to think maybe that there's um the little bit of that going on in, in a lot more programs, that's where I was naive about. What are your thoughts on the on the FBI and the agent uh, shoe company um, issue?
0: Um, I was surprised at some of the names that I saw on there, to be honest with you. Justin Patton, living in Nebraska, was a name that like really shocked me, um, to be honest with you. Monte Morris was another name on there that really shocked me, and I have a couple of things on that. One, the NCAA needs to change that rule that's stupid. You can't tell your parents what to do. Your parents can eat dinner with whoever they want to, especially if you don't know about it, like in Miles Bridges' case. Um, I also have this – there was already the people that were out there that already thought this happened anyway to every major program that won because nobody can accept that maybe people actually do want to go to the schools that win all the time. Um, so I don't know if it's going to change anything. I still don't think they're going to pay the players, even though I still have no issue if they do or don't. Um, I mean, they're really not, I mean, they're student athletes, but they're more athlete than they are student anymore at this point. I mean, especially now, like look at the big 10, for example, and the ACC, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're taking these kids out of school to go play a tournament. That's a thousand miles away from most of these schools. For literally no reason at all because they want to make money. So at this point, the NCAA is making money off of their likenesses. I'm sounding like Jay Billis here actually. I'm not trying to. The NCAA is <laughs> making money off of their likenesses and ever like of course the shoe companies are gonna rep their they rep their guy. Like why would they not want to? Yep. But the whole thing is too, is I want people to also understand that this agent that they got this information from is notorious for making up stories. I'm not saying that they're all made up. I'm just saying that he has a reputation out there of being kind of a guy who tells some tall tales. Like, for example, when he told everybody that he ran up a $60,000 Uber bill for Alfred Payton, and Alfred Payton had no idea what anybody was talking about. So he's kind of a a little bit um, of an exaggerator, not saying that this isn't true, but I don't know how much of it is actually true or how much... I'm sure that all of the players were truth. I don't know how much truth or how much is truth and how much is, you know, kind of a little bit of truth. Yeah. Now came out today with ESPN saying now that the report they had was wrong. It was Sean Miller who was talking to an agent about some money, but Deandre Ayton was never mentioned. So that's another problem too, is that ESPN kind of needs to, before they report something, make sure that it's accurate before they ruin a kid's future.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, it, there's a lot of hearsay too, because, um, you know, I, I heard, um, I, I think it was another podcast and, and talking about it and they had talked to some coaches and they're like, you know, we talk to people and handlers all the time. And if someone mentions money, uh, we don't just sim- simply say, Hey, you're violating rules. We kind of hem and haul and get off the phone. And, and, and what this podcast said is if you're a coach that gets involved with money and that, then you're going to talk money back. But if you're not a coach that is involved with money, you might just be polite enough to get off the phone and then not pursue either that player or that handler for a while. And just the fact that you were caught on a wiretap with someone mentioning money, and you, and you, even if you said, "Wow, that's a lot," uh, you know, I'm not sure we could do that or something in a polite way. It, you got to be careful here in actually doing it versus mm-hmm. that. And I, and I do think the NCAA needs to change some some rules and maybe set some limits on loans available. Um, for kids and and stuff, but the bottom line is no matter where you set the limit it 's always going to be breached by uh either agents shoe companies or you know boosters uh trying to get an upper hand uh for for their school
0: or the patinos
1: <laughs>
0: yeah I, come... Uh, cr- yeah i that's that 's a different conversation, but I, I we could talk for hours on that family but for one reason, is- I will say that I was rather surprised that there was some name not mentioned on there but um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think the paint, I don't see the problem is with paying players. Then you get this whole ball of wax of, well, how do you determine who gets paid? What? And how do you determine who pays what or how do you pay the bench players? Or do you have right. a stipend for these players? I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm not thinking about that. I mean, do the top 100, do the five-star recruits get more money or the NBA just needs to do away with this rule and just let the kids go because yeah. that would, that would solve a lot of problems. Like, DeAndre Ayton does not want to be in college. He made that perfectly well-known at AAU basketball that he didn't care. I don't think guys like – I don't think guys like – I don't think Thomas Bryant ever really wanted to come to college. I don't think that um, – I don't think Jaron Jackson wanted to come to college. I know for a fact Brian Bowen doesn't care about being in college at all, clearly. Um, so I just think that they need to let the rule go.
1: You know, and I, I, I think the NCAA would take a hit in talent if they did this. But um, you know, we're going to talk a little baseball here. But the the college baseball rule, where go pro or or you got to stay for a while, and and that that's not a free market situation. So I have a little issue with that. Uh, you know, if you're good, you should be able to go at any time. But it seems to be working in football with an age limit. And it seems to be working in baseball that these kids know what they're they're getting into. They either sign a contract and go to the minor leagues right out of high school or they, they, they come to college until they're draft eligible. And, and then you get um kind of the best of both worlds. You, you miss out on some talent in the college game, which would be tough. But um maybe there's a solution somewhere in there. Um, but anyway... Mm-hmm. It's going to overshadow the tournament, I'm afraid, a little bit, but maybe not. Hopefully, we'll have some good games. Uh, I thank you, Brian, for coming on and sharing some time on a, on a Wednesday evening. Um, we look forward to hearing from you again. So, For Sports Talk with Tonsoni, I'm your host, uh, Brian Tonsoni. Thanks for listening. Happy hoops watching.